0: He's on down, he's on down the road. Come on in. Ease on down, he's on down the road. Look, I forgot I got that on. Read nothing that might be alone. Come on, he's on down, he's on down, down the road. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, whatever time of day it is, wherever you are, whenever you're tuning in, I just want to welcome you to another episode of the Oz experience. Oh my gosh, we've got somebody else that decided to ease on down the road and make their way into the Emerald City and have a deep candid dive a conversation about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Y'all know I'm only bringing y'all the best with the best backgrounds because this is a real conversation. It's a real topic that we need to talk about and and just get it out there in the open, on the table, so people can be real clear as to what it is that's happening and what it is that is going on, how we can be better stewards of how we embrace and engage with diversity, equity, and inclusion. So without further ado, let me tell you about my guest today. Oh, Reading her by you, I just had to go slap myself over the head and say, this girl is super bad all day long. Not some of the day, but all day. Day long, y'all. Human rights. That just that that's that's a perfect caveat to um, and a perfect accompaniment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And that's where she is as far as the judicial system. She gonna tell you all about that. Where she come from, how she does that. But that is something that is very dear to my heart uh, as well as it relates to diversity, equity, and inclusion. You know, there's a disparity amongst marginalized uh marginalized people, uh whether it be black, brown, whatever, those that are not financially affluent. I'm just gonna leave it that way, and fall within a certain demographic. Um, there's always adversity that comes along with that as far as how we are represented in the court systems, how we are represented within law enforcement, how we are represented on the streets, how we're represented in politics, just how we are represented, period. There's certain certain, uh, there's a lot of variables and dynamics that go along with that, but I'm going to let her tell you more about who she is, because I firmly believe, and you've been with me long enough to know, can't nobody brag on you the way you can brag on yourself. So without further ado, let me bring up Miss Lily May. Woo!
1: wow so thank you so much um for the spectacular introduction and, and and yes i am lily may um born bred and reared as lily may and so because of that i branded my name lily may the collective now my journey to um become so morbidly obese For justice came Mm. as a child, being born to two aged parents who lived through segregation, who lived through Jim Crow, who even lived through the transition and the integration of schools and the transition of the workplace. I learned so much from primary sources. See, I didn't have to go to secondary and tertiary sources. I learned from primary sources. And so I started my journey to equity and and diversity and speaking on these things. I think I was about seven years old. And um, I wrote a letter to the editor of the newspaper. My mom and dad knew nothing about it. They didn't find out about it until it got published in the paper. And I was basically throwing shade at the representative who was running for representative, who is still the representative for Danville, Virginia now. But needless to say, this man still knows me at 37 years old. So 30 years later, that letter that this seven-year-old Lily May wrote was still an impact. Now, did it really inspire or influence him to change his political worldview? I don't know. But what I know is that because I took a step at seven years old to challenge the system through writing, see, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't got time for all that marching. Because what are you marching for? You need to put the pen to the paper and get it documented.
0: Wow, girl, you know, oh, you just give me so much fire, and so much life. At seven years old, girl, at seven, seven years old, I was still asking my mama, Why? 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 <laughs> Why the political activist was nowhere near my thoughts. My pathway wasn't Bitmo thinking about. And yes, I did say Bitmo. So my my yes, grandma. Ma'am.
1: Listen, look, don't one thing about it. And, and let me preface. Let me preface this conversation by saying this: that come with Lily May are not indicative of who she is. Right. I did all of this stuff and those over there because I knew I had to, mm-hmm. to be included
0: Come and on.
1: receive equitable treatment. Come on, Come in on. this these United States of America. Yet you, however, I, I I'm quick with the aints and the got to and the listen. Uh-uh,
0: I know when it's time. I, I love, love it. I love Absolutely. it. I love it. Absolutely. I love it. So, you know, I, I I know that's part of your pedigree and your background. Where where else do you practice that? How do you use that? Just just tell me how that all how you do what you do and why so, you do what you do. Okay.
1: So, my why comes from my family. My why comes because I grew up in a household with my mother and my father and nobody else but my brother. And because I saw these two individuals serve selflessly Mm -hmm. and without expectation Mm -hmm. communities of people who they may have known and of whom they didn't know individuals who looked like us and individuals who did not look like us but not only the service piece but the engagement piece right mm. the missionary piece cuz see it's a difference it's it's a difference and i think that we have to understand that a missionary right has a god given responsibility
0: mm. Yes. to
1: make something happen for the cause, yes. right? When I think of a servant, I think more of somebody that has been pushed into a situation. Hmm. You get where I'm coming from? See, all servants don't want to be in that capacity because see, a lot of people serve because they want something in return. But see, mm-hmm. that missionary though, that missionary, see, that's a responsibility. If you mm. consider yourself to be a child of the King, girl, and if I
0: had my you. shoes on, I'd be throwing them at you right now. That's the way we do in the good old country church. I'd be throwing my shoes at you because you are dropping some major. And and a way to think of those two words, putting a different perspective yes, on ma'am. them, yes, um, d- diversifying the definitions. And I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I absolutely love it. Look, I don't even have my pen and paper to take my notes. My people know that I take notes because I'm an avid student, but that's okay. I'm still going (laughs) to, excuse me. I'm still, see, she got me all choked up. I'm still going to get it because the nuggets that you are going to drop, they're going to, they're going to stamp. They're going to brand me in this conversation that we have um on today. So now I know your background, which is what gives you the fuel. Indeed. The fuel to be a diversity and equity and inclusion uh, advocate. Indeed. As advocate. So let's talk about that in as <laughs> excuse me. I got to give me some water going on here. Uh, (laughs) Y'all know I'm very transparent. I I don't sugarcoat anything. Look, I know that's right. Life happens. So we just got to keep rolling with the punches. So in the arena of social justice and criminal justice, what have been the challenges that you have seen and perhaps some things that you have experienced to where you can give more insight on the diversity, the equity, or inequity, I should probably say, <laughs> um, and and inclusion. Because um, I've got my own thoughts, but I want to okay. hear from you. So when I think back to
1: initially um, accessing the discipline of criminal justice, um, I was at Virginia State University, which is a HBCU. Woo
0: I'm sorry, I'm yes, a proud of Tech <laughs> Southern University. uh, uh-uh, yes, you. So I got to give shouts out for for the HBCUs. I Thank know you. that's right. Carry on. And I had a
1: couple of professors, one of which was um, he was a former police chief, and he was African American. Um, and then he brought the Commonwealth Attorney. In Mm -hmm. and she was a middle-aged black woman. Shout out to Cassandra Stroud Burns. That was her name at the time. I don't know if it's changed now, but that was gosh. That was about what fifteen years ago. But they taught us the specifics relative to the court, tops and corrections. Right,
0: Mm -hmm. women. Say that again. Hold on, because I don't think the people heard you. Say that one more time.
1: The criminal justice system is comprised of court, cops, and corrections, okay? Ooh. And and that's important. The court is that institution that's going to more or less interpret what's going on with that law, what you did to violate that law, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or what have you. Your cops are there. To enforce that law Mm. and the correctional system is there to rehabilitate or restore you. I don't like to say punish, even though I know that the powers that be would prefer the correctional enterprise be. And you notice I said correctional enterprise
0: because it's a business moneymaker. That's a moneymaker. But anywho, that's so another talk show another day.
1: The powers day. that be would rather... Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The powers that be would rather that correctional system be punishment. But for me, this is where diversity, equity, and inclusion comes in. Because I sincerely thought going into the discipline of criminal justice that I was going to be focusing on the sociological aspect of Mm -hmm. corrections. What does that mean in layman's terms? It means getting to the root cause of why people are going to prison, why people are recidivating. Recidivism is when they keep going back, right? Mm -hmm. So I wanted to understand the root cause. And so I adopted Travis Hershey's social bond theory, right? And so social bond theory pretty much just says that you need to have specific um connections to community, to family. You have to have something greater than yourself so that you don't get swayed by the streets for lack of better term. Right,
0: right, right, right.
1: And so as I got in there, I realized there is no equity in the system. Mm. Because when you enter into the system, the scales are already like this. The scales are already like this. There's no equity in this system. So, well, Lily May, so why? Why did you continue with criminal justice? Because I realized that it's not the criminal justice system that I really need to access. I got to access the educational system. Come on now. The social services system. So what did Lily May do? Lily Mae went to grad school. She pursued criminal justice, the operational side. She then dibble-dabbled in the law school portion. But she went back to her hometown and she entered into the educational system. And so my first career out of graduate school was as an outreach and educational specialist for children's health insurance program, but I was embedded in the school board office. So what did that do? That opened up the ability for me to sit on the truancy response team. People, you have to understand, a lot of children's delinquent behaviors start because they're not going to school or they're getting in trouble in school. And so you're putting them out of school. They're going out into the community and they're getting in trouble. Mm -hmm. So sitting on the the truancy response, there you go. Sitting on the truancy response team allowed me to find out if the families were connected to Medicaid. Now, you probably like, hold on. What does Medicaid have to do with criminal justice, have to do with school attendance? It has a lot to do with it. Make it plain. If you have Medicaid, you can get access to a wide array of community-based rehabilitative services that you may not be able to get with private insurance or you may not be able to afford it. So what would happen is sitting on the truancy response team as the Project Connect case manager, because that's what I was, I would then get the information from the parents, bring them to my office, get them qualified or pre-screened for Medicaid, get them enrolled in Medicaid, and guess what? start rolling out other services to them. Wow. That, but I guess-, guess what? There was no equity, but I created another opportunity that wouldn't have existed if I weren't able to be in a position that had nothing to do with education of the students. It was education of the parents.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Because it starts at home. Education starts at home. I hate to be cliched, but education That's That's starts at, at home does. and more is it caught does. than taught. Um, does, I'm forever grateful to my parents that instilled in me culture which is why I ended up going to an HBCU because I understood the power and the reasoning behind it. Yes, and right I wanted yes, to yes. stand on the shoulders of my ancestors and be appreciative in my way that I knew yes, how yes. to, to give back and let them know your efforts were not in vain. So yes. um, <laughs> that's that That was one thing. Um, also, they they made sure that I understood my history, again, from educational purposes because um, of the adversities and that we've always been told we got to be two times, three times, four times better than our Anglo counterparts. Because unfortunately, the judgment that is made upon when they see us initially, we get clumped into this stereotype as to who we are and what we are and what we bring to the table, but that is so contradictory to who we are, what we are and what we bring to the table wow, oh, this just hit me. So as I'm sitting here, put my plate to the side so that I could have this great conversation with you. I'm sitting up here looking at soul food. The reason that we have our HBCUs is because we created what was given to us as yes, what was it. supposed to be trash. And we figured out a way to make yes. it good yes, and maybe. to nourish us yes, and maybe. make us be able to to do what it is that we need because we had the fuel in our bodies to go out and do the work. So I say all of that to say <laughs> with the 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 place of being undervalued. Yes, honey. Look, you're preaching. You're and preaching. And marginalized as a people, I felt it was my duty to go to an HBCU and get that education. Now, from there, after I got my bachelor's degree, I did diversify by going to a PWI and getting my master's degree in strategic. Now, I
1: did it in the reverse. I actually (laughs) did it in the reverse. So I knew, like, my mother knew, my family knew, Lily Mae was going to turn up in college. Okay? Like, it's inevitable because I was a lit child. I was, let me tell you something realistically, I probably ended up working in the criminal justice system because if it weren't for my mom, for Betty Lou and Bo, I probably would have ended up in the criminal justice system (laughs) because, girl, I was lit. But I always knew how far to take it. You understand? And so, I actually ended up going to nursing school first, right? And the only reason I really went to nursing school was because my dad had Alzheimer's. So my dad went into Alzheimer's when I was 14 years old. And you know, that's a different thing. So I had to grow up in the sense that I had to learn to put aside my 14-year-old hormonal needs and understand that my mother had to take care of my father, right? She still cared for my brother now, but she had to take care of my dad because, you know, Alzheimer's is, and in the 90s, Alzheimer's was not as advanced Mm -hmm. with treatment and diagnoses as it is now. And um, I went through a lot. So I went through um, a lot of anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideations when my dad went into Alzheimer's because you got to think. Now, remember I told you, my parents are the reason that I embarked upon activism at such a young age. Mm -hmm. And because of that, When my dad went into Alzheimer's, when he woke up one morning and was telling me the same thing five, six, and seven times, I'm thinking to myself, now my, we rooted and raised in faith, but I'm thinking to myself, I'm not supposed to question you, God, but God, why are you doing this to such a perfect man? Why are you doing this to the man that raised me? Why are you doing this to the man that raised so many other people's children? Why are you doing this to a man that serves you seven days a week? 24 hours a day, 365 days a week, and has rooted his children in your word. And so I'm trying to figure all of this out at 14 years old. Meanwhile, trying to deal with obesity, trying to deal with being in school, trying to still keep my straight A's or A's and B's. And so all of these things, it was hard, right? But what I learned was that. I needed all of these trials and tribulations to truly help me understand how to be stand firm and how to address and articulate myself when it came time. For these situations. So when I went to nursing school and when I got to undergrad and when I got to graduate school and when I got to my postgraduate studies and when I walked into the city government and when I walked into corporate America with my colorful hair and my long voluptuous nails and my wild bold jewelry, they already knew who Lily Mae was before she even sat down and opened her mouth because I set the tone through my ability to communicate. And Mm -hmm. where did I learn that from? I learned that when my daddy went into Alzheimer's Mm -hmm. and I had to begin to advocate for myself because all the time, mommy can't come to school for X, Y, Z. Lil, you got to know how to do this. Nobody can stay with your dad. You understand what I'm saying? So I while I embarked upon my political activism journey at the age of seven, at the age of 14, 15, is when I really started to step into the ability to understand business and to understand life planning and to understand the true articulation of oneself. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 that's it. And it just it's just that it's just that.
0: Wow, I love it. I love it. So let's go back to your 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 three C's. I told you that stood out to me. It's embedded. oh yeah, of cool. cops and corrections, corrections baby. Corrections. Let's go. I, I, love <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. So if you can again elaborate, and I hate for this to be kind of the same rhetorical question, but it's it's so, um it's it's so prominent and how. Or what did you experience? What did you see as far as the inequities? And I, I I would say even in the different, the different races, the different ethnicities, how did you experience that? How did that affect you? And I mean, I know being an activist, you, you what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong, and you're gonna speak yeah. out on that. I understand that, but how did that push you for being an advocate for more? equity amongst and and your challenges with people once you start speaking on that that retaliated against you I'm sure you got some because Mm -hmm. you were standing up for what was right
1: so initially now I'm gonna be honest with you initially um my first internship and I was blessed to intern at the Commonwealth Attorney's Office oh wow and My actual mentor at the time was a Caucasian middle-aged man.
0: Mm.
1: Now mine, I was in the Petersburg city and Petersburg is a, is a pretty, you know, um, chocolate city, but it's high crime, high poverty. Right. And so working with this gentleman, he was so smooth. When I tell you his swag, I don't know if you saw the, um, the the sitcom from series from a long time ago, The Guardian. You remember the attorney? He was like an alcoholic or a drug addict, and he had to, he was smooth like him. I mean, he was smooth. But working with him and studying under him, I learned to speak the language, right? But I also learned to understand the why behind so many people's incarceration, so many people accepting plea deals and things of that nature. Wow. Because this is what happens. If you don't understand the three C's, guys, remember it's court, cops, and corrections. Generally what happens is you meet the cops first, Mm -hmm. then you go to court, and then you end up in the correctional system, Mm -hmm. right? However, Sometimes you go straight to the court and in the instances when you go straight to the court, you know, that's sometimes like your custody situations, right? Sometimes kids, it's so sad, but guys, sometimes children that are taken, you know, into um, custody because of, you know, CPS or whatever, they end up in the system because their parents were in the system. Not because Not because they did anything wrong, but they get so involved with the system. And what Mm -hmm. I saw was I saw countless families institutionalized by a system they really had no dealings with but they were associated with because one person in their family touched the system. So this is what happens. You're going to either hate the system or you're going to fear the system. Well, guess what?
0: Wow.
1: Hatred and fear elicit the same emotions.
0: Anger. Wow. Yes. yes. All right.
1: Second thing. Second thing I learned. <sighs> here you go. And I know the people are going to be mad. The people are going to be mad, but you know what? Sometimes you just got to put it out there black men being shot by the police. Let's just go there. Okay, guys. I need you to listen to me and I need you to listen to me real good when I say this.
0: Come on, let me come in a little bit further, a little closer. I, come I, on, I,
1: I need I need the people to listen to me real good. This is what happens. Law enforcement is an underpaid, thankless job. Okay? Mm. Okay. Law enforcement. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it one more time for the people in the back. Law enforcement is an underpaid and thankless job, just like education, just like teachers. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now. Let's talk about Black men. Now, not all Black men, but let's just talk about the population that we're talking about here since we're talking about
0: courts, cops, and corrections. Black okay, men- so hold, hold, hold on just a second, uh-huh. just a second, because something just hit me. So with with you saying them being underpaid, then we I, I want you to also tap on- Stress. Well, that and the fact that the, mm, let's just call it what it is. I'm sorry. I I, I just got to speak it like it is. That you also have those white supremacists that get in there because they have a way to have power Absolutely. to be able to suppress Absolutely. <laughs> those the you know those that they don't agree with, those that they have a problem with. So it becomes a power structure. So I want you to touch on that in addition to I, and, and indeed. Underpaid. Well, I will
1: I okay. So all right. So let's just let's let's go there. So, like I said, law enforcement. Is often an underpaid and thankless job. And thanks to my sister, you know, she also dove into the fact that a lot of our police officers are those individuals who were bullied in school, who had no identity, who got older and needed some power so they found a profession where they could get a badge and a gun to give them authority so they could get back at all of the individuals or the sorts of individuals who may have made their school life a living hell. And guess what, baby? It's not just white supremacists because I witnessed it from our own people. So let's just call it what it is because I believe in calling a spade a spade and a club a club. Now, so... What does that do, though? Now, you have police officers with unhealed wounds, untended wounds, trauma. They probably in a marriage they really don't want to be in. They probably got three or four kids that's acting crazy because they know mama or daddy is a police officer and they feel like they can get out of it. And Uh they struggling to pay their bills. Okay, so you got all this anxiety. Now let's come over to the other side. Let's come over to the civilians. Let's come. Let's just talk about the black men. We're not going to even talk about black women. Let's talk about the black men. So now you got the black men over here, right? Well, guess what? Underemployed or unemployed, mm-hmm. undereducated or uneducated, possibly multiple children, different baby mothers, stress, mm-hmm. low self-esteem, fear of police. But then you got police that fear black men. So when these two individuals come to that traffic stop, you got fear and anxiety and fear and anxiety. And what happens when they come
0: together? Boom! Combustion. Somebody gonna die. And you know, even, even... Oh, so much is just going through my my head right now, Holy Spirit. Just make give me the words that I need to make it Andy, art, Andy, to, to Andy. articulate it and Andy. make sure that Andy. it's real, real clear. Mm-hmm. So you you've got all of that that's going on, and you know, and I'm not saying it's it's all Anglo cops. I'm not saying it's all African Americans. No, it's, it's it's a whole variety. It's all of the races. It's all the ethnicities that come together that have whatever baggage they're holding on to, and the way that they get rid of it or the way that they try and deal with it, cope with it is the mechanism of the badge, the mechanism of the gun, the mechanism of power that I am in this position and you have to to abide by what it is that I say, but you got to know your rights on the other side to be able to say, no, I ain't got to do that. And then mm, that brings on something else because now you become educated and they now know, that they, which goes back to the education you talked about earlier, but they now know, oh, I'm not dealing with a willy-nilly person. I'm not dealing with a dumb person that don't know nothing. So now I got to readjust the way that I'm thinking and how I'm going to interact with them because they know something. Even though it may not be a whole lot, but they know yep. something. They're yep. versed in some kind of way, and I can't do to them what I would do to somebody else. So how am I going to flip this script, change this narrative to where it's now in my quote unquote favor That's so it. that I can do what it is that I want to do to this person to support Woo! them to hey. make them feel worse than what they already are and to let them know quite frankly who I am and where your place is with me. Now <laughs> okay okay so all right all right okay
1: so now let's talk about
0: I told you this was going to be good. And it's and it's
1: it's amazing. But but so let's do this. Let's do this. Let's step outside of the criminal justice system, right? Okay? So about 6 years ago, um I did some research with what was called the Metropolitan um Educational Research Consortium, right? And so what that meant was um we were we were te- teachers cuz so I taught high school um and I taught in a very very um high risk high school right but that's my thing put me put me in the jungle cuz baby I'm a gorilla out here put me in the jungle I'm gonna be fine in the jungle because the thing about it is I know my place you get what I'm saying and I already know I'm covered so put me in the jungle right well when I was tasked with, you know, embarking upon this research, one of the first things they asked was, well, what is your uh, research question going to be?
0: Oh, Lord, I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. I feel it coming on. It's going to be good deep. It's going to slap you in the face or do that sucker punch, that uppercut. I feel it. Come hey. on, girl. what was it? Come on. And my hey.
1: research question was, how would the intentional inclusion of discussions regarding race and racism impact the classroom climate in a setting where the majority of students or African-American and the teacher is white.
0: Oh, girls, sh- shut the front door. Because
1: okay. this is what happens. Now, let's just back up. Let's just back up. This is what happens. What happens is we have people who love to say, I don't see color. You're lying. Clearly, I'm a little tanned or pecan tanned. <laughs> Right. My brother is chocolate. My mother was more caramel. My daddy was chocolate. You have to see color. And why? Because until you see color, particularly as a teacher, do you understand that realistically learning styles. Are differentiated (laughs) between ethnicities, between genders, between races. So, you have to see color. More black children are kinesthetic learners. They learn by doing it. Yes. You have to see color. And at the end of the research, what did I find out? That conversations of race and racism are necessary to address the issue of colorblindness. Because, guess what? Colorblindness, colorblindness, It's more harmful. It's more harmful than actual blatant prejudice. And why? Because at least with prejudice, the oppressed understands where the oppressor is coming from. Mm. But when you're colorblind and when you're saying you don't see color, we don't know what angle you're coming from. Wow. So there is that inkling of fear. There's that inkling of fear. Now, I don't know what to do because really, I don't know if you like me or not. I don't know how you see me. How do you see me? If you don't see my color and you're treating me just like this, see, what happened was this? Now, let's just go there.
0: What had happened People was-
1: did not ask for inclusion for real. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Somewhere along the way, this thing got messed up. The conversation should have been for equity. So let me operationalize equity for you. Equity says this. Equity says that everybody starts at 90 degrees. Mm -hmm. Equality says that everybody starts at the number of degrees that equates to where they are, which is not fair. Mm. Because you may be at zero degrees, I may be at 45 degrees, and they may already be at 90 degrees. So when we talk about inclusion, diversity, and equity, we need to focus in on the equity. Mm. Because equity is really what MLK, Shirley Chisholm, and all of them back then were really talking about. But see, somewhere along the way, all these chiefs got involved and they start thinking about their own self-fulfilling agendas Mm. and forgot about the people that really mattered, which were the people that couldn't be out there marching because they had to take care of their families. Mm. So we can't talk about inclusion and diversity until we talk about equity. And guess what? We still don't have equity. Do we have equality? Mm -hmm. In some instances. And you can't be mad because guess what? Equality doesn't give you equal access, but equity does because equity mm-hmm. means that mm-hmm. the playing
0: field is leveled out for everybody, mm-hmm. not equality. Wow. Then you got me looking at equity and equality in a whole different light. Now I know the words. I got, again, you have to. You re, you know,
1: it, it, it bothers me because you know, in December. So my mom left this world in October. Mm -hmm. And a couple of weeks after she left this world, I said, you know what? I don't want to deal with this entertainment world. And you know why I came to that decision? Because what I realized was that this entertainment industry, and I'm not going to say the business, the industry, has been cultivated by people that look like us to disenfranchise us Mm. see Mm. people want to say they always want to say the white man did this the white man did that no you did it and you know why you did it because you did not get what you needed at home So you decided that when you got older, you would step into the realm of entertainment where you could create whatever persona that you wanted so that you could get the attention that you did not get in home or that you did not get in school. And now you're playing mean girl or mean boy to other people to keep them out so that they don't shine on your parade because they really got it wow so now you have an entertainment industry filled with individuals who have underlying untended wounds, unhealed wounds, personality disorders that were created when they were children. Mm. And you have these people who have self-proclaimed themselves to be subject matter expert without any academic or educational training on the theory associated with the positions that they proclaim to be
0: experts in. So let me, ooh, oh, you just unpacking so much. So I guess for, for the transition for you to go from the social justices, mm-hmm. um, and I firmly believe that no matter what profession you choose, those skills are gonna be transferable in every aspect of your life. So how did you transition from social justices and being an advocate to that, to the to to the entertainment industry? I I, I don't see that bridge, but you're going to help me build that bridge so that I can understand. I'm about to take you there. Guess what? What is and I'm going to pose a question to you.
1: I'm going to pose this question to you because I think that this will bring it home for you. What are some similarities between the criminal justice system and the entertainment industry? What are some of the things that you see
0: in both places? Just off the top of my head, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure if I really think about this later, which I'm certain I will, (laughs) (laughs) because you've given me some, as Arsenio Hall used to say, things that make you go, Hmm. Mm-hmm. it's Easy. Um. What What I see is certain people in control. Okay. Here again, having the power okay. that dictate how they want people to no pun intended act, how they want them to show up, how mm-hmm. they think they should be. Here again, knowing your place, and that goes to the old cliche: art entertaining life, and life look inter- uh, uh, I'm saying this wrong. Uh, entertainment mocking life, and 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 life mocking entertainment, because you pull that off of your experiences, and it's because of your experiences that you begin to tell the stories. So I I see those that that parallel. Um, I also see a dictation. Okay. Um, and, and it, 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 it goes along with what, what I just said. Let me dictate to you how it is that I want you to be, okay. how it is that I want you to act. Um, I see the suppression and not wanting certain hues, certain characters to truly have their stories told in the way okay. that it should be in okay. um, okay. and, and an accurate way. Not just what you think will happen, but in an accurate way, which is why when Holly Berry won that award that she paid homage to, oh God, mm, Gone with the Wind, I can't think of her name right now, um, why she paid homage to her, Oh, help me, Holy Spirit. So this just popped in my head. As much as I love Denzel Washington, mm-hmm. as much as I love him, I hated him in Training Day. It was the character that he played, not necessarily him, but the character that he portrayed. I did not like it at all because that's that, to me, was not an illustration of Black excellence, but he did that well. He did that. He played that so well. Okay. <laughs> he, he played okay. that part so well that it was co- convincing. So as let's as... stop
1: there. Let's stop there, then. So I love how politically correct you were with... speaking on the similarities between the criminal justice system and the entertainment system but guess what I'm gonna give it to you the way Betty Lou would that's my mama that's my late mama you know what the similarities between the two are
0: drugs Mm. sex and gang affiliation wow I told you you were gonna give me a different perspective but I said that That's it. it. When you say that, I see that. And when
1: I say gang, I'm not talking about street gangs. I'm talking about people who create these cults so that they can feel adequate amongst people that are small minded, just like them. That don't have nothing else to do, but try to create something to make them seem like they are more than what they are. So clicks. All of those things are the reason. So so you see how I got over here? Because in my mind, I said, okay, I'm in a behavioral health capacity because when I came out of the classroom, I went into the behavioral health capacity and I started to uh, provide care coordination services for children and adolescents, right? And So that required me to be um, embedded in um, Chippenham Medical Center in Richmond, Virginia, where I did a lot of assessments, you know, I did assessments on children that were um, admitted for psychiatric hospitalization, you know, for at least 72 hours or more. Mm -hmm. And so what ended up happening was while doing that, I said, you know what, a lot of these independent creatives are these children that I'm assessing for behavioral health needs, are Mm -hmm. the same kids that I taught in the high-risk high school, are the same people that I worked with when I was in the correctional system. So I have worked in the criminal justice system, I've worked in the educational system, and I've worked in the behavioral health system, and I'm seeing the same people here that become adults that want to be independent creatives that still have not gotten their untended wounds handled. So, okay, Lily Mae, you like to deal with all kinds of people, you will be good. You animated, step over into the entertainment world and help the people. Well, guess what? I realized that this entertainment world is so jacked up that people literally believe everything they see on social media and they do not believe the people that are giving them experiential and empirical data. They do not want the experiential and empirical information. They want the information that comes from a person with 1 million followers that the majority of them are bought, that when they lay down at night and take all of this mess off of their face, they probably having suicidal ideations more than the person that don't know if they're going to get evicted tomorrow. So I say that to say, we got to really get back to living reality. This social media stuff is not your reality. These filters have really created a distorted vision for people, and people do not know who the hell they are for
0: real. Yes, yes, they don't. They don't know who they are. Yes, they, don't know who they are. Yes, false, um uh, f- false, false role models. Absolutely. False, but the false- sad thing is,
1: but let's just go there.
0: They didn't know who they were.
1: Before they became, became adults. It. And so now you have adults who are leaning on other lost adults to help them find the identity that they don't even know who the heck they are. Wow. So you got a lot of mental illness. And, and that's the thing, guys. You know, everybody wants to be an expert on mental illness and everybody wants to talk about behavioral health. But how many of you really have been trained in? the field of clinical mental health counseling. Like everybody is a coach for something now. And I'm not (laughs) knocking anybody, but this is my thing. I had 36 semester hours before I could even talk to anybody. You have to have 4,000 clinical hours, free clinical hours before you can even step out on your own. So excuse the hell out of me if you're not about to coach me nowhere wow so you know and I, i'm i'm passionate about this thing and you know people don't like it girl these people don't like me but guess what i'm not here to be liked because i know you respect me because what happens is i see you begin to employ some of the very things that i rant about right so you don't right. have to like me because i know that you respect me and i know that i'm doing what i was reared to do and not what i need to do
0: for somebody else wow i love it i love it girl you dropped so much i'm gonna have to have you come back because this conversation is not over absolutely There's so much to unpack and and all <laughs> excuse me in all of this and i am looking at my time gosh time flies um Bye. I'll you know I'll come back for you in time. Next
1: time we're gonna have a we're gonna have a supper time um and we're gonna eat
0: our food and talk. <laughs> Look, let them know the human side of us. So That's so it. so tell us how can the people reach out and connect with you um because of what you have dropped. I mean, we, we can't just leave it. It's like opening up a wound. I don't opens you up. But now I need to close you that's, up. So how how can I get in contact is. with
1: you? So first and foremost, thank you so much for having me. I will come back anytime. I love, love motivating inspired. That's that's it. But if you want to get in contact with me, please feel free to go over to your web browser and type in www.lilymaycollective.com. That is L I E M A E. C-O-L-L-E-C-T-I-V-E dot com. And please send me an inquiry, send me a message, and I will respond to you.
0: Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So, oh Lord, I just don't want to let you go. <laughs> I don't want to let you go, but I want you to give just a couple nuggets, a couple of uh parting words, a couple of parting thoughts. That you want to leave with the people. Oh, wow. Guys, understand
1: respect for authority. That's first and foremost. Understand respect for authority. Number two, reach back to your younger self and heal that child. Mm -hmm. Reach back to your younger self and heal that child. And number three embrace the you that you learn about you. Embrace the you that you learn about you. Not the you that you create, but the you that you learn about you because your authentic true self is really who he
0: designed you to be. Wow. And there it is. Drop the mic and everything else. You guys, you have been here in the Emerald City and have come down the yellow brick road and have had the Oz experience with your host, Tajiri Brackens. But y'all, look, let me tell you, as far as the Oz experience, it just does not stop here on the podcast. I am doing a boot camp, y'all, boot camp about diversity, (laughs) equity, and inclusion and how that's going to help you increase your Bottom line, your profits, how it's going to help you to be able to relate to others, not only in your personal life, but also in your professional life. And you guys have heard me say time and time again that DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. It goes over every aspect of our life. It's just not in the workplace. It's in the products that yeah. we buy. It's in the co- companies and organizations that we support. It's in the marketing that the organizations do to try and get you to buy their products because they have to do the research and understand a particular culture, a particular de- uh, a particular background. They've got to understand it. I'll give you case in point, just a simple example as to why you have to understand I don't know if you guys are old enough to know or remember that car Nova, it did not sell in Mexico. Why? Because those two words meant no go. So why would they buy a car that did not go, that did not move? After all, isn't that why you buying a car? So that you can move from point A to point B. So you got to understand your cultures. You got to understand your, your market. <clears throat> Excuse me. You got to understand the people that you are relating to, or excuse me, understand the people that you want to converse with, that you want to build relationships with, because it's at that point when you understand them that you have the no like, and trust feature yes, exactly. and the factors. So you guys have got to get registered for the boot camp of the diverse, excuse me, of the Oz experience. I will post the link for that. I've got some specials going on with that and I've got some amazing people that are going to be a part of that as well. You do not want to miss that. So as far as reaching out for that, you can um, use the hashtag or you can just Google the Oz experience. It will be March 11th in Sugarland, Texas. I look forward to seeing you guys there. As far as reaching out and connecting with me, you can find me on Facebook. You can look for the Diversity and Inclusion Specialist, hashtag Diversity and Inclusion Specialist, or you can do hashtag Heritage Leadership Consulting, LLC, and that will get you to me as well. Um, so you guys, thank you for joining me on this day for this podcast and the Oz experience or having the Oz experience in the Emerald City. Oh my gosh. So here we go. It's time to ease on down, ease on down the road. Come on, ease on down, ease on down the road.